Welcome back. You are listening to PWG's Well Chat with Dr. Nikki and Dr. Eileen. This is an educational series. As always, take what feels useful to you. But before you make any changes, please check with your own healthcare provider before you start. All right, let's dive in. This is episode four, nutrition. Talk to me about nutrition, Eileen. Well, we talked about the trifecta of wellness with sleep and proper eating and exercise. So this is the section on eating well. What is what is nutrition? Right? It's not just about eating salad and hummus and <laughs> no junk food. Really, nutrition <laughs> is the study of nutrients and food, how we use those how our body uses those nutrients and the relationship between diet, health and disease. We all know that your body doesn't function as well without adequate nutrition. And more importantly, in pediatrics, children don't grow well. Right. Right? I got to say, I think there's very little that we do that doesn't have more complicated stuff around it other than nutrition. I feel like this is a hot button topic for a lot of families. Um, And I know we're going to do a deeper dive into that, but how do you... How do you handle this when you're talking to families in terms of how do you model or how do you set the stage to talk about nutrition with kids? Well, it's not just children, right? Most of them aren't going to the grocery store uh, when they start solid food at four months, four to six months of age. I think we have to remember that all the different things that play into how we think about food, our choices of food, cultural influences, how we were raised, Mm. what our nutritional or eating style choices are about the kinds of proteins and and foods we eat. All of those things factor into how you feel about food and how you feel about food definitely is going to be transmitted consciously or unconsciously to your children. They're going to look at you if you make a face and you never eat green vegetables. That's not going to be a good thing for them. On the other hand, they may be picky or have uh, not have selective palates, I want to say, when they're really little and you're eating all sorts of different things and making yummy food faces, eventually that's going to kick in as well. So, So I think the beginning part for me is to talk about how we should eat, what's the best thing to do, and then talk about how that sometimes doesn't work out at the beginning and it takes some time before our patients and our children can make good choices and hopefully over time they're going to be able to self-moderate and make good choices. I like that because really it sounds like what you're saying is intuitively and we all know this you can talk about nutrition to kids from an abstract point of view but intuitively unless they see you setting a good example uh, i.e. you have a healthy relationship with food, food that you put in your body is going to help you perform well, um, help you grow well, um, and that you've got to model those good eating habits because your kids are watching you. I like that as a foundation. Okay, so tell me more about nutrition. So for for those of you who want really specific facts on on uh what portion sizes should be, what those servings are like, how many milligrams of different things or grams you need. You can get all of that data looking at sources from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Heart Association, the United States Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services. They all have 
websites that say some of the things that you need. My favorite one is called choosemyplate.gov. Yes, you've talked about that. And it's so great because they talk, actually, they break it down by gender, by age, uh, all the different basic food groups and how much you should have and what those serving sizes would be. So for people who really want to get down to the nitty gritty, you can you, you can get out your measuring cups <laughs> and you can figure it out. We're going to go back and talk about that in a little bit of detail so we give you some examples. But again, for those of you who really want very quantitative data or uh, recommendations, I think choosemyplate.gov is a really, really great resource. Yeah, you've talked about that. Right. I, I think the other thing that is important to remember is that normal kids will eat enough to grow normally. And we say that a lot. And parents yes. look at me and they do a sort of a big sigh of relief. Yes. It's important that you know that, but that kids will eat enough to grow normally, but they won't automatically choose a well-balanced diet. So let's unpack that a little bit because what I hear a lot in the room, the four to six month visit, everybody's excited, haven't really started solids yet. This is an adventure, but I think in the back of everybody's mind, they're really nervous that they're going to have that kid that's super picky. And then the nine-month visit, which is usually the next time I see folks, a lot of times I'll, people feel like the wheels have come off the bus a little bit. Um, kids, their babies are spitting out vegetables or won't eat anything but apples. And I feel like that's the first moment where I start to see this little splinter in this lovely relationship with food that could be happening that's not happening so what do you what do you do to the how do you approach that baby that doesn't want to just spits everything out <laughs> what, do you, what do you tell parents well we start talking about introduction of solid food at four months of age right. and we talk about introducing vegetables and fruits and some whole grains and I always tell parents that it may take four or five tries of a new food before a baby is going to really like or accept that on their palate, you may need to do just a spoonful that swishes on their tongue. And it may be the fourth try or the fifth try before they like something like bananas. And you would think they would like that automatically, but not necessarily not if they've only been having breast milk. Up until that time, it's going to taste different. And the texture is going to be different. And those taste and textural textural sensitivities are different for each of us. Yeah. I I also don't know that there's any data that says if you start kids on vegetables first that they're less picky. Uh, guess what? If they like sweet things, they're going to eat carrots and sweet potatoes, but they're going to spit out the broccoli and the green beans. So I'm not sure I've seen that play out. I know a lot of people try it that way. There is starting to be some data that you've got to show a baby something 10, 15, 20 times to your point. Uh, and it doesn't have to be shoving it in their mouth, but just putting it on the tip of their tongue or letting them taste it before they finally decide or realize this is pretty yummy and I should eat it. So it sounds like don't give up, keep trying is one thing. Um, and it sounds like you can't really make a bad decision about what to start first. I, I agree. Okay. Because you're just trying to get them used to something new. It's sort of an adventure. The right. first six months of age, their main source of calories is going to be breast milk. And if not breast milk formula. Right. So the adventure of introducing solids is is really just an introduction, but not important nutritionally for them. Right. I feel like the next big nutritional milestone is the one-year visit, um, sort of the toddler situation. And a lot of 
parents definitely have identified their toddlers as being either picky or not picky. And I feel like that, even those words, picky or not picky, are kind of loaded words. What do you think? They are loaded words. That's, that's the fun visit where they're dropping the food on the floor <laughs> and the watching dog. for you to pick it up and the dog gains five pounds. Or I call it yogurt shampoo because as much yogurt <laughs> gets in their mouth as gets mushed up in their hair and you just have to go with it and laugh. And that's part of the fun of, of having a, a one-year-old yeah. uh, or a 15-month-old or an 18-month-old. So at that point, they're doing some solid foods. They're doing soft table foods. They're maybe looking at the spoon like maybe I can use this and it's not just to bang on my tray. Um, again, it's important for them to get to feel things. There's textural things they need to feel with their hands to try to feed themselves. And you don't give up. You just keep trying to give them new things. Again, though, you want to try to give them a variety of foods. You don't want to just put a whole bunch of applesauce on the plate and not try broccoli. Yeah, that's a good point. You give them small tastes of lots of different things. And if you think something is going to be tougher, a tougher sell than another, you start with a tougher sell. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, what do you say about making your own food versus buying it nutritionally? Is there a difference? There should not be. Of course, it's really great if you have the time to do it yourself. Uh, but there are lots of good brands on the market. Yeah. So I think you have to see what you can realistically do with your free time. Of course, if you're one of those people that wants to do it, it's great. But that should not be... Um, taking up the time that you would otherwise have to sit on the ground and play with your kid. I'd rather that you have more time with one-on-one than making baby food. Yeah, I would. I totally agree with that. What Another thing I hear a lot about is a concern about toddlers and sugar and, and carbs. And, and I, I don't know about everybody else's area, but in this area, I feel like there's a lot of people that are really clued into different eating styles and carbs comes up a lot. So how do you, what's advice that you give? Well, the specifics for sugar are pretty straightforward now. And the American Academy of Pediatrics has just come out with very strong recommendations about eliminating, limit, limiting or eliminating sugary, sugary beverages. Yeah. Wow. I've been a bad person on that one <laughs> for a while, <laughs> Me too. but they've actually recommended that children only hydrate with water or milk or in the case of somebody who can't tolerate it cow milk uh, that they should be using something like soy milk as a as a substitute Um, the recommendations now for sugar actual sugar intake and we're talking about um, added sugars less than two there really isn't any role for added sugar so to be clear, diet. added sugar is the white stuff or the brown stuff or the powdered stuff. It's right. not necessarily naturally occurring sugar. Right. It's not the sugar in the apple right. sauce that you had or right. the banana or the carrots. Um, and then for two and up, the recommendation is to limit it to 25 grams or six teaspoons a day. I think for men, it can, grown uh, adult men, it could be up to 37.5 grams, but it's really not very much. You're going to no, go over nothing. that amount with a soda. Yeah. I also, I think there's actually been some studies done on the nutritional needs of toddlers. And for those of you who have toddlers or have experienced toddlers, you know, they're constant motion machines. They're always in motion or they're asleep. Like there's two speeds on or off. And in order to be in constant motion, they need to have access to readily accessible energy 
sources and carbs are the perfect energy source. So it is really no accident, I think, that that toddlers lean towards the goldfish and the Cheerios. And um, it's a real struggle to get the trees in them. To some extent, that's what their bodies need. So that's what they're moving towards. Uh, but I, I also have this natural gravitation towards chocolate. I just can't have it all day. <laughs> it, it actually should be a food group. <laughs> so the difference is that some days I can be an adult and say, no, I will not have chocolate all day long. I must mix that up with other things. So I feel like the role for parents is recognizing that this is how my little human is hardwired. So until they can get in a car and drive themselves to the store, I have control over what I can show them. How do you... I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to that crackers, goldfish thing real quickly. I also think for busy parents, it's just much easier to throw something in your bag that is going to last for a while and you don't have to worry about it spilling or leaking or being sticky. So crackers and, and, um, and snacks that are, that are starchy carb based often are really easy to throw into your bag for kids. So it's, it's also important to think well it takes a little more effort but I can have a bunch of little mini jars and fill them with grapes and carrots and hummus and other things so that snacks are mixed up because as Dr. Nikki said uh, toddlers and little kids often want to eat five meals a day and it's okay so this idea that you have to eat three big meals a day and that's healthiest for you is is just is not really true. You can have smaller meals more frequently. And for toddlers that means that they might have a small breakfast, a snack, a small lunch, a snack, and a small dinner. And so you want to make sure that those snacks are nutritionally complete as well. You don't want to eat crackers for each one. Right. You can have a quarter of a sandwich or you know, cheese and fruit. I mean, right. All of this doesn't take into account people with food allergies. That's a separate topic. Right. This is more of a generic, these right. are ideas. But I, I think I get what you're saying is you don't, it's not just crackers. You can have other things that are quote unquote snacks that are more balanced. And we see patients come in yeah. and they're waiting for us and maybe it's almost lunchtime and they're sitting eating avocados and carrots and and then they'll have some crackers too. Yeah. A lot of our parents do such a great job managing oh. that. Most of this takes planning and that's really hard but there's a discipline I think also to planning a discipline to going to the store and making it an adventure with your kids however you want to manage your food but there is there is planning involved and if you can do that at the beginning of the week or during the weekend you can get everyone involved in having healthy snacks there letting them have some choices I love the that idea of the discipline I also like the idea of um setting the example if that's what your kids grow up with and that's what's the norm uh so I, I like that I think that's really great and honestly the diaper bag MacGyver situation where anything you need is in that diaper bag <laughs> is pretty impressive but we're getting off topic so nutrition so snacks are okay toddlers are wired that way try different things don't give up the first I don't know 20 times I say no right what about how much I feel like parents worry that they're if they don't eat a cup of broccoli then I'm failing but that's a lot for a toddler at any one time so what about quantities right so again if you want specific quantities you can look at the choose my plate oh yeah website but you can look at that and for a four to eight year old for example they'll say daily fruit intake could be one and a half cups 
Oh, that's not that much. It doesn't turn out to be very much because you have to remember they're quite a bit smaller than adults. Yep. Um, sometimes also for younger kids, I'll hear the rule one uh, tablespoon per year of age. So oh, that's nice. If you're a one-year-old, you might need one tablespoon of fruit, one tablespoon of vegetable, one tablespoon of some sort of protein that might be for one serving. So think okay. about that. You're probably only going to need a total of a quarter of a cup of food for a meal when you're one. That's a lot less than a grown-up. That's true. These are just guidelines. Right. Um, same thing for vegetables. If you look at that website again for daily vegetable intake for a four to eight year, four to eight year old, they're saying one and a half cups. You also have to remember though that there can be big differences in the weights and yes. sizes of four to eight year olds. Yes. So this is just a an average recommendation for fruit and vegetable volume. What about the whole grains versus non whole grains and the proteins and all of that stuff? Because I think. That's also an area where, at least in this area, a lot of families are, are really focused on eating clean or cl- eating healthy, and, and we get these questions. We're breaking it into food groups. Right, breaking the kids it into learn food about groups. these food groups and what you're supposed yep. to have. So if you're looking at that, some of those food groups are fruits and vegetables, whole grains, proteins, what kind of fat and cl- fats sh- or cl- cholesterol can is okay to take in, right? Those mm-hmm. are some of the things we talk about. And for fruits and vegetables, we've sort of mentioned it, but again, with fruits and veggies, beyond just how much or what volume you should have, it's that we should probably, we should be trying to suggest lots of different colors, lots of different fruits or vegetables every day. Maybe it's not even every day. Maybe if you look at it over the course of a week, you've had a few different fruits or vegetables. Oh, let's talk about that. Because I think in the realm of nutrition, very few things are more hot button than (laughs) my my child won't eat their vegetables. And a but lot you're of, a vegetable eater. You I, like vegetables. I was that, you're the savory girl. I was that odd child that preferred vegetables to fruit. I vividly remember not liking the texture of certain fruits. It just, it didn't work for me. But vegetables I could do. But you like fruit now. I do. Time. I do. Um, but this was my adult brain saying, you're going to have to try that 20 times because all the cool kids are eating it. So you, there must be something <laughs> about it that's good. But left to my own, I probably wouldn't have eaten them. So what do you do when you have somebody who really limits what they eat in terms of maybe they only like one or two vegetables? Yeah, what this do comes you up tell a lot. those parents, especially for the preschool age? Yeah, that's the, that is the age where they may have been great toddlers, but now they're three or four and they're not going to do it. I think the first thing, the hardest thing is to take a deep breath and step back. A lot of times food becomes, it's complicated. It's, it's not about the food, but it's about the food. And sometimes kids will notice that when they refuse to do something, they get a huge reaction. They get 100% of your attention. Now that all of a sudden there's a special place in the family mythology that's carved out for the super picky eater. Oh, and children love attention. Right? They'll take negative if right. they can't get positive. So then all of a sudden, even if in their heart of hearts they like something, they're not going to admit it. They're going to say they don't like it. They don't want to try it. So trying to get out of that by by making yourself more neutral in that situation, I think, is important. A lot of this is about control. I think a three or four-year-old, there's not a whole lot they can control, right? Definitely. They can control, Definitely control what they put in their mouth. And so if, as an adult, it's your job to provide the healthy, nutritious things. But as a child, it's their 
job to decide how big of a bite, how, how much they want to eat. And when those two areas clash, I feel like that's the control. And, and all of you know this, you will never win with a three-year-old. The three-year-old will always win and it just becomes a problem. And there's two battles you never want to have nope. because you will definitely lose. One of them is a food battle. Yep. We'll get into the other one later. <laughs> so. You'll have to stay tuned for the second one. So I try to tell people to take a deep breath. If you have kids who are motivated by things like stickers or stamps are another really big one. You know, those little, you go to gymnastics class or something and they put those little stamps on your hand. Mm-hmm. So you could even start small and say, pick up the fruit or the veg and then you get a stamp and then you graduate to pick it up and smell it and you get a stamp and then you pick it up, smell it, lick it, get, get a stamp. So, you know, you really want to get, make it easy for them to get these stamps to eventually get them to put it in their mouth and try it. And then you do that 15, 20 times and eventually they're going to take a bite of it. That's one way to do it. Um, Sometimes grocery shopping with your preschooler can be tricky, but if you make it a special field trip just to pick out a vegetable, farmer's markets are good for this. Um, For those of you who do online shopping, pick out the vegetable you're going to try Somehow. Some of our some of our parents have a garden and right. they and they get the kids. Oh, there's the train. We we are next to a train and that's both an amazing thing because the kids love it. But for those of you who can hear it, I'm sorry. You're this is gonna... real. This is real life. We're <laughs> exactly. doing this with real life. Exactly. Um, but I think getting kids involved in food, in in shopping, and picking it, and growing it, in preparing it, in deciding. I love kids looking at, they look like cooking and baking shows now, which I think is wonderful. But anything you can do to involve your kids in, in food nutrition decisions is going to make them more interested and more likely to try things. So the whole idea of this try it bite, like Dr. Nikki is saying, maybe you lick it, you take one bite. And then when the kids get to the point where they're okay with it, I'll say, well, you need three bites for a three-year-old. Right. One bite for every and year. And it's amazing yeah. how much power we have as pediatricians to suggest things. Uh, I think cutting it into fun shapes can be interesting, something you're not used to. But at the end of the day, you might have that three-year-old that you do all of these things and the three-year-old just looks at you and says no. Then you just become a sneaky chef. You puree things. Baby pureed baby food is a great thing to have as your secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, spinach leaves, swapping them out in pesto can be mm-hmm. spaghetti, red spaghetti sauce. Hide hide so things. Yeah, uh, do zucchini yep. muffins. Yep. I put in baby kale or baby spinach into my fruit smoothies with dark colored fruit, Ooh, and if you blend idea. it well, it tastes wonderful. And yeah. I like to get my yeah. vegetables in the morning that way. So. There are lots of ways to do it. The other thing I will tell parents if their kids are very selective is it's okay to do a children's multivitamin on a daily basis or a few times a week. I don't usually recommend anything that's greater than 100% of the recommended daily allowance for vitamins or minerals for kids. But it's okay to do that. Of course, eating whole food is always going to be better Mm -hmm. than taking a a vitamin supplement. It's there are things in whole food that we don't replicate in supplements. So they're not an even exchange in terms of the nutritional benefit. But it's okay to do that just to help out if your kid really is going through a phase where nothing vegetable-like is <laughs> crossing their lips. <laughs> and, and the last piece of this is sometimes the kids 
who are really picky about vegetables live in households where there's a parent who will very sheepishly say to me, oh yeah, I don't eat X. So it's, I think, a little unrealistic to expect a three-year-old to eat X if the adult gets away with not eating X. So sometimes you can make this a family challenge where, okay, we're all going to do the same thing. We're all going to try this. Um, Just keep in mind that what you say goes in one ear out the other, but what you do is, I think, a much more powerful example. What would you... What do you think? That is such an important thing. And we all are constantly working on trying to live healthy lifestyles, given everything we have to do. When you add parenting into that, usually that is you're the last person to take care of yourself. This is an opportunity, however, to make changes in nutrition for your family, to set a good example. Be motivated now to do this, not only for yourself, but for your child. This is just, this is just a perfect setup. Take advantage of it. I like that. I feel like there's a whole lot more that we could cover. Um, I, th- I think we could talk really briefly about yep. those other nutritional things because yep. we talked about fruits and vegetables. We can touch on whole grains. Yep. We should try to do um, unprocessed foods. You want to try to do things like whole wheat bread, oats, brown rice, quinoa. Some of those ancient grains are great. Um they provide fiber, B vitamins, iron, magnesium. Again, we need some of those every day. Proteins are important, two to three servings a day. The current FDA and EPA recommendations are for two to three servings of fish or seafood weekly, but you have to be careful about what you're eating because there are high levels of mercury in some of the seafood we eat now. So those are not recommended for children, especially. I feel, so hang on one second. Mm-hmm. For the whole grains. Yeah, we'll go um, back to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of there with vegetables in terms of ease of getting kids to mm. eat that. It's not easy to convince a three-year-old to have whole grain bread as opposed to the amazingly delicious Wonder Bread. So, Which I don't think anybody remembers anymore because you have I'm to be a, of a I certain age it. to remember this squishy oh, white so bread good. that really had to be enriched because they'd taken yeah. all the nutrients out. But this is, again, if you start with brown rice when the kids are little and their sandwiches are on whole grain bread and you have quinoa and things, they won't know the difference. Right. So if you start as you mean to go on, that's not going to be a problem. But if you haven't done that, you can still change this. I think, Dr. Nikki, you, you found that you had to do this with I did. So things. my dad in 2003 had a triple bypass. Um, we are, my family's from India and... India's not known for being the land of healthy eaters. You can have incredibly healthy Indian food, but you can have incredibly unhealthy Indian food. And I think in 2003, when he had his bypass, that's when that was a big wake-up call for all of us. We really started paying attention to what we were eating. And I, I think one of the first things that I instituted was, it's all whole grain from now on. And I got to tell you, as an adult, even as an adult, it was hard to stick to it because not all whole grain is yummy but I think what helped us was we started with one thing so we decided we're going to switch the bread one week and then the rice one week and then with the rice we love white rice so we switched half brown half white so there were ways to roll it in uh, and it, it really just became what you're used to and now when we have white bread that feels like a treat it doesn't feel like something I can do every day what about you yeah I I actually like brown rice yep uh now I sometimes prefer it and I actually like breads that have seeds and whole grains and that have some texture and you can get whole wheat bread that's not 
um, full of obvious seeds and nuts that kids yeah. sometimes have a hard time. There are some really good ones out there. Yeah. Th- so I think those are easy things. But again, you have to s- get your head wrapped around switching or starting from that point of view. And parents, for those of you who did not grow up with this, again, take some time to evaluate why or why not you're making those choices and ways to motivate yourself to make those changes because they're e- they're fairly easy changes to make and all of this is easily available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's true. We can uh, go back to proteins real quick yep. now. I think we've covered whole grains. Yep. There's different ways to get protein. There are animal proteins uh, and there are plant-based proteins. The thing about animal proteins is they do provide nine essential amino acids that we need from our diet to make the proteins that we need within our own bodies. Plant-based proteins do not provide all of those, so you have to be careful if you're making choices about doing vegetarian diets or different other diets that don't involve animal proteins. We're going to get to that. Uh, yeah, we spend a lot in of time another, on that. Yeah. Uh, in, in another section, but we will be talking about choices that people make and how that affects their nutrition and what they need to do to make sure it's still okay. And then we talk about fats and cholesterol. We need a small amount of these things in yeah. our diet. Fats got a bum rap. Right? I think they're important. And for kids that are less than two, we don't really restrict them no. uh, in terms of their fat intake. Fun fact, the reason we don't is because your nervous system is still developing and the fat is important to create the myelin sheath, which is really the insulation that helps the electrical impulses move faster. So you actually really do need fat when you're less than two. And if you're like me, you've convinced yourself you need fat in some form, in some small amount in your everyday diet. It makes food taste better. It gives you this smooth mouthfeel that chefs will talk about. And healthy fats we recommend often are things like olive oil, avocado, nut butters, seed butters like sunflower seed butter. Um, those are some things that are that are actually good, can be good for you. Um, but a small amount of fat, we shouldn't be feeling guilty if we're having a little butter on our toast. Right. There are some, some wonderful things about food that um, need to be celebrated and enjoyed. And so you don't want to restrict yourself so much that it becomes becomes a negative thing that you're just it's like you're going to the gas station say, and you're putting gas in the car yeah. it's fuel then food becomes fuel yeah I feel like that's a really important thing to celebrate it and I, I mean I know we're bumping up against our our 30 minutes but just to end this particular episode on that that food is something to celebrate you, you just don't want to restrict it so much that you have you have that child that whenever they're at a birthday party they're the kid in the corner you know, shoveling cake in their mouth because they don't get it at home. You want to be in control of your relationship with food, not vice versa. So I like what you said about that. Right. And, And that's about all the time we have for this section, but we have more to discuss about food. Lots of interesting things to talk about. So please join us again. And in the meantime, go out and make yourself 